welcome to Inside Eco Devo, an economic development podcast helping Missourians prosper. On this episode, we're talking about the new federal initiatives team within the Missouri Department of Economic Development. Sitting down with us to help with the discussion is the director of federal initiatives, Shad Burner. So I'm sure there's a lot going on in federal initiatives that we can dive in. But before we kind of get into all that, can you just give a little bit of a background on yourself? How did you become the director for federal initiatives? That's a question I ask myself every day, Eric. So I, my background is a little diverse, but I grew up in the Boot Hill, um, spent some time in, I live in Cape Girardeau now. So most of my career has been there. And uh, I, I spent some time working for the university. I've worked for a variety of different private sectors, but ultimately I landed in economic development, um, working at the Cape Girardeau Area Chamber of Commerce, where I was the vice president of business development. I did that for a while, loved the job, actually fell in love with economic development, uh, joined Missouri Economic Development Council at that time, um, and, and really enjoyed my time there. Left there to go join a startup uh, and helped launch uh, Cargo, um, which was a rideshare and food delivery service we launched in other markets um, going out of Cape Girardeau. So uh, I was involved in that for a little bit of time, but just completely missed the economic development space. Um, so about that time, they were, uh, Mark Stombaugh was here, Rob Dixon was here, and they were making some adjustments to how they do regional economic development. And I had an opportunity to join the team early as a Southeast regional manager. Um, so I was overseeing about 25 counties for the department down in the Boot Hill and, and west um, over to West Plains and the middle part of the state. And uh, was so excited to be a part of that because as someone who did local economic development down in that part of the world, when all the folks who do what we do now in economic, in, at DED um, were located in Jeff City, frankly, it was hard to get their attention on certain things. So I wanted to be a part of that shifting culture um, within DED. So that's what I did uh, for the bulk of my time here. I've been, I, I did that for uh, over three years, um, was really enjoying that space. And had some opportunities near the end of that uh, that time where uh, Director Dixon had asked me to be involved. Uh, with There were a bunch of federal funds starting to come down, and they were talking about it. And we stepped back a little bit and said, you know what, I, I think if we're going to do this, let's do it right. So he, he got me engaged in that. He got some other people engaged in that conversation. Um, and, and from there, uh, we started proposing some programs to the governor's office, and there was a whole process. But ultimately, it, what came out of that is we have a bunch of new funds coming uh, to DED. So um, I ended up uh, having the opportunity to to lead that effort moving forward. So that's kind of the background of how I got to that point. I don't want to dive into all the details on the first question here, but um, it, it was a little bit fortuitous at moments and, and random, uh, but uh, I all my background and all my experience, I think, has helped prepare me to to try to tackle this thing that we have in front of us, which is uh, a, quite a big thing with a huge opportunity for us to tackle. Yeah, and speaking of that, the the federal initiatives. When we we say that, what are we talking about? What does federal initiatives do? Yeah, so you know, it's kind of structured originally with the. Um, ARPA funds, the American Rescue Plan Act funds that was coming down, that was the original thing that made us go, we really need um, as a team within the department to step back and ensure that we have eyes on these federal dollars coming through because there is a lot of it. And frankly, we just didn't have the staff capacity to manage it with our other jobs, right? So what we wanted to do was step back and say, we need to uh, really dedicate some folks to this um, because with the ARPA dollars alone, uh, we have 
in the neighborhood of $600 million on that program alone. Um, our normal DED budget is $250 million or so. So this is a massive increase of funds coming through the department that we uh, really needed to pay attention to. So that was the initial thing that made us think we should step back. But what I think we've discovered as we started uh, – thinking through that, building out a team is that there's this whole world of federal dollars that someone in Missouri needs to be proactively monitoring, proactively seeking out those funds to ensure that Missouri is getting the most amount of those funds that we can get, and then efficiently and effectively delivering these funds and deploying them throughout the state. So ultimately, at the crux of it, that's what the Federal Initiatives Division should be doing. We're building out a team to ensure that the federal dollars coming through come through successfully, that we're getting access to all the ones we can, that we're being competitive as a state, and that we're then rolling those dollars out where they need to go to uh, uh, to help move the state forward. You mentioned ARPA which we'll definitely dive into because it's a it's a big thing. It's monumental for Missouri what it can do. Uh, but before we kind of dive into that, because I'm sure it could take up a lot of the the air in the room, so to speak. What other kind of programs are are being uh, spearheaded by federal initiatives? That's a great question. So on the broadband team, and I'm sure you'll have BJ on, and he'll talk a little more about that. So there was an Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. There's a lot of money in that for broadband. So his team's working on that now. There's a couple other things in that. Um, I'm going to call it IIJA. That's the acronym we use for it. That uh, at least one other program that's for manufacturing focus. So we're kind of exploring that program. We also have, uh, we maintain the relationship with the Economic Development Administration, which is a federal entity. And we have some funds coming through them for uh, that are ultimately they're ARPA dollars, but they came through EDA. So we're, we're um, overseeing a couple of those. And now there's other programs coming down that we're starting to realize we should be monitoring and looking at. So, for instance, at the federal level, there was a uh, there was a bill passed recently uh, called CHIPS, uh, and it has to do with the semiconductor industry, and there's some funding potential in that bill. So, so uh, this division, along with strategy and performance, is looking at and kind of uh, exploring what opportunities Missouri would have in that space and having early discussions about that. We're on calls with some federal folks to, to learn more in the next couple months. But those are the kind of things that I, I, I think we're still shaping. Yeah, I mean, we're still forming this division. Like six months ago, it was just BJ and me, and now we have 15-plus people, and a lot of these are temporary positions funded through ARPA. But we have this amazing team, and we're starting to realize that the value the team can bring was uh, even beyond what we had originally envisioned. So it's still forming, it's still shaping, but uh, generally speaking, I think that's kind of the direction uh, that the division will go. Because it's a new thing, uh, this new, div or what will become a division, this new team that you're building, you're kind of doing everything from the ground up. Does that help in any way uh, shaping the direction that you guys are going because you're kind of working on the fly, so to speak, or, or working in tandem with the things that are coming down the pipeline? Oh, oh yeah. I hope so. I hope it helps. I mean, it, it, we, it, we have the opportunity for it to help. And I, I always frame it as I mentioned earlier that I was involved in a startup early on. We kind of have a startup within government. So this is unique, wild experience that we're all getting to have. And I think what we have the opportunity to do is to build this division and build the programs in a slightly different way than maybe state government has in the past because they're 
is no history. We have no history that we're working off of on this stuff. So we can question things that maybe uh, are much harder to question when you have the baked in history and the years and the people who've been doing this for a long time. We uh, run the risk of probably going too far off the rails, right? So so we have to continually um, pull back in. And, and that was uh, one of my first uh, hires in the division was uh, Kim Bowman, who came, has 15 years with the department, came back on as deputy director. So uh, she brings a wealth of experience. I bring this outsider's perspective on grant development. And, and I think we have this huge opportunity to do it, to do it right, uh, to build these programs in concert with our local communities, to have very open access to them, to have public comments on everything we do. We have actually made changes to every program because of comments we're receiving to folks. And I don't think that's true of the history uh, of all things built by government, right? That They're not always taking that feedback and making changes, but we have actually made significant changes to every program. So so I think that's just an indicator of what we're trying to achieve here, um, which is something that runs and operates a little bit differently uh, than what we've done in the past. So let's kind of dive into some more of the, uh, you know, the funds that are coming through. You mentioned uh, the, um, just the sheer amount that's coming through is, is astronomical, you know, compared to what we've probably handled in the past. And one of those things is through ARPA. So what is, what is ARPA? What is that detail? I'm sure it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the American Rescue Plan Act. It was passed in March uh, of 2021 at the federal level. Um, and as a part of that, Missouri got around $2.6 billion, um, which is just a massive uh, amount of funds coming through. And it was all in response to COVID. So the governor asked uh, all the departments to get together and think about how they might utilize these funds for their departments. And that's where I, I, meant, I alluded to this earlier. Um, we really try to be proactive and think outside our normal lanes with uh, the way we could actually utilize these funds a little bit differently take advantage of them, and help move communities forward. So we uh, proposed a variety of programs. The governor uh, it, it took several of those, put them forward, um, and then we spent last spring uh, in 22 with the legislature talking about these programs. And ultimately what we have today is in the neighborhood of $600 million, uh, 10-ish programs that we're building out to help the state respond to covid Um, But concurrently, we don't just want to respond. We want to utilize these dollars to do one-time community-changing type projects across the state. Uh, This is a one-time opportunity. And and I think in some of these programs, we're really trying to help communities make generational change um, with these funds. They got funds, too. So not only did the state get funds, but communities got funds counties, cities. So they're doing projects uh, in their communities as well. And hopefully as we built this, we've tried to create a system where all these funds can come together and really push the state forward and make us more competitive. So in that that $600 million that you were talking about in the, the 10 programs, I'm sure a lot of stuff is still being developed in the back end, but how does that break down? What are those, those projects? What do they look like? You're uh, really testing me off the top of my head here. I don't have the list in front of me, but uh, we'll start with broadband. So broadband has an infrastructure program that's $265 million. It was a combination of two, two programs um, for infrastructure and pole replacement. That's our biggest uh, program. It was the first one out the door. Um, we have 
Uh, more than 100 people have started filling out applications at this point, so we're really excited to see those coming in. Um, also in the broadband space, we have a cell towers program that we're just starting to build. No applications out yet, um, and BJ can probably go into more details once you have him on the podcast, so stay tuned, listeners. We also have community revitalization, which is $100 million, and that program is intended to really focus on local communities, blight development, downtown redevelopment, um, uh, blight mitigation, not blight development, as I said earlier, <laughs> blight mitigation. Uh, those are different things. Um, and, and really revitalizing a downtown space. And in, in that program, what we're excited about is that we want to see communities rowing in the same direction together. So we're really going to score highly for communities that have a lot of support coming in that are all thinking about and trying to move together. So that's that's another large program. We have a $75 million for industrial site development. We have $30 million for tourism asset development, not tourism marketing, but building new uh, and expanding existing tourism assets in your uh, communities. We have $10 million for a small business grant, $30 million for a workforce grant, $7.5 million for a nonprofit grant, and $5 million for an entertainment grant. It's a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, so needless to say, there's going to be the potential to do a lot of good and, and help a lot of communities, businesses, and, and things of that nature. A question kind of comes to my mind, you know, the department, uh, we focus more on what you were just mentioning, communities, businesses. We don't really focus on the, the individual, so to speak. You know, we indirectly affect them. Is there anything that an individual needs to know about ARPA and how it's going to relate and how it how it affects them in any way? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really good question. And our our as you indicated, our programs are structured um, to flow through these local entities. Um, I I would say that by the way the federal guidelines are constructed, in a lot of these programs, we are uh, identifying beneficiaries, which are the individuals in the states. And so that has to be a, a part of the process where um, when a community or a, a business or a nonprofit applies for a grant, in most cases, they're saying, and here's how we're helping the individual citizens of the state of Missouri. And here's why they need help and what we're doing for them. And this is what our project is going to do over time. So we are definitely collecting that information. We're thinking about that. It's a driving force in the building of all these programs. And certainly an underlying thought process here is how does this benefit uh, the citizens of the state of Missouri? Uh, what are we hoping happens with all these funds? Like, I don't know if we need to really get into uh, specific details about, like, well, we hope this gets built here or we hope this here. But like, what's the kind of the the thinking behind like here's what the goal is of all of it i mean i think that's the the thing that we have to continue driving toward right is this goal and to me the goal is these are one time funds and they're here we didn't go out as a state and say hey federal government please send us this money they're here we have it other states have it and I think and I believe that we have to take the opportunity to move the state in a direction that makes us more competitive, that improves our economy, and it does it not only statewide, but it does it at the local level. And so when I think about these funds and I think about our North Star of what we should be doing, it's that we need to be improving 
the economies of communities across the state of Missouri with the funds. By, as a byproduct, the state um, will benefit. But this, this should be aligned with local priorities in that one-time opportunity uh, to really improve the community. So that, that's really my North Star. That's what drives me. That's what gets me passionate about it because I think that there may just not be another moment like this where we have the opportunity to make this level uh, of impact in the communities. And those communities that um, I'm sure they're, they're partners with us in some way or fashion, what does that partnership look like? Because you, you mentioned they have funds that they got separate from the funds that we're administering too. So how does, how does that all that, that work with getting everything that these communities and these businesses need, that partnership, what's that look like? Yeah, so, so we've tried to partner multiple ways, and I think that's a, a really been a central uh, philosophy of, of DED over the last several years, right, is that, is that we need to have good relationships. And honestly, I think we have better relationships with our communities than we've ever had. Um, and that goes back to the structural changes we made to ensure that we had folks in the field. As we built these programs, um, with each program, uh, we've done a public comment period that is very targeted, um, we are not just saying, hey, here's the guidelines, give us some feedback. We're actually constructing surveys that allow communities, allow the stakeholders to tell us on each major decision point in the program if it's good, if it's bad, how they would do it differently. Uh, and we're getting, to, for instance, the small business um, grant has been open for public comment most recently. We have over 400 comments already back on that. So we're getting a lot of feedback and a lot of those were actually small businesses. We also are doing focus groups on each one of these grant programs. So that's that's the foundation of how we're trying to partner with the communities. Ultimately, when the actual grant rolls out, that's the real partnership, right? So the foundation is let's do it in a way that it makes sense for the communities, that they can actually take advantage of it so that it's a program that works. And then when the program rolls out and we start to award grants, that's when the real partnership takes hold. We, we, plan, we will have folks working in the communities, ensuring that the programs are successful, that the grant award that went to, I, I'm not going to name, I'm, I'm about named a, a town, but I, I don't want to <laughs> give anybody uh, false hope because we haven't, we haven't had applications, we haven't awarded them, but say uh, some town in Missouri that we are working with that town through, through the whole process to ensure that they are following all the guidelines, that they're not getting themselves into trouble, that, that we, they can successfully deploy those funds. So that I, it, it should be a fluid and ongoing relationship with communities uh, to move those projects forward. And again, this question, I know that there's still a lot of work going on in the background, but do we have timelines yet on, on all of this? Do like a roundabout kind of, here's when you can expect this, here's when we can implement stuff. Everything was done yesterday or needed to be done yesterday. No, we're, we're getting pretty close. So, so uh, I would say what I've been saying, and, and, and frankly, I, I think this is a good, a good point to touch on. Uh, I got in trouble with the director. We were at, a, at the governor's conference, and I, I said, uh, I think I threw out the phrase, we had no idea what we were doing in the star. And, and really, I think this is the perfect opportunity to get some context to that. So hopefully she's listening. What I meant was we have never experienced the scale of investment. So we have tried to be very open with, hey, here's our timelines. Here's, here's when we're rolling things out. Here's when, um, when we plan to have applications open. Here's when we plan to have a review process. And what we've discovered is we'll roll out the draft guidelines, and we get a lot of really good feedback, which precipitates this whole dialogue internally where we end up spending a month 
going back and forth, touching up the details, finalizing. So I think that's more important than just hitting an arbitrary timeline that we uh, made up in the beginning because we felt like it was important to get the funds out fast. I still feel like it's important to get the funds out fast, but I feel like it's more important that we get the funds out well. So we have two programs open um, for application right now, today, as we sit here on September 9th, and I know that the listeners will be hearing this at a later time, we should have community revitalization out um, by the end of September um, for application. Uh, I expect in October you will see some additional uh, programs falling. Hopefully by the end of October, November, all our programs will be open for applications. We plan to start making award announcements in some of the programs as early as December. Uh, I'd love to do it a little bit sooner, but that's starting to seem more unrealistic by the day. We do intend to award all or as many, as much of these funds as possible this time around. So we're not planning to open a second cycle. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're thinking about this program and you're thinking you might wait, I would strongly encourage you to move forward today. This may be the only chance uh, you get at some of these programs. You've used the terminology one-time funds. This is like we have all this money. We're trying to get it out the door the best way possible. I mean, you've alluded to that partnership, taking that extra time to get all those guidelines, get all the you know nuts and bolts where they need to be. So, yeah, <laughs> get in there quick is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't wait around. We, 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 there could be some that get scooped back up. I mean, maybe we put a program out. We have a few projects that fail and we end up with uh, a little bit of money, but we're talking very small percentages of the overall funds. And hopefully we won't even have to go back out for second round applications. We would have some in the queue um, in that pro in, in that scenario, uh, hopefully. So yeah, definitely. Um, if, if you're interested, now's the time. Taking a little bit of a step back on some th- points that you were making earlier about, uh, you know, other States around us getting these kinds of funds like us and, and how these funds can make Missouri competitive. How do we do that? How do we make Missouri competitive when we're com- kind of all competing on the same level with these ARPA funds and, and, similar funding. Yeah. So, you know, I think it started with um, how the funds were prioritized. So each state had the ability to prioritize funds within a box that the federal government gave us, right? So Illinois or Kentucky or Indiana, they, they may have chosen to put less investment in broadband. I don't know this. I, I don't know what where they spent their funds. Um, frankly, I'm too busy trying to keep up with where we're spending ours. But let's say, for instance, they put less investment in broadband, but they put a ton more in water wastewater. So what I would say is, from my standpoint, from where I sit within economic development, Missouri put 20 plus percent of their funds in what we would consider traditional economic development project, and another portion of their funds in projects that will Uh, help economic development at the community level from an ancillary standpoint. So kind of uh, on this, you know, water, wastewater in in a community helps their potential for economic development. And I'm not even counting those funds. So from my standpoint, that was the first way that we get competitive about this is that we prioritize funds for moving the economy forward. The second way we get competitive about, about this is that we do it efficiently and we do it effectively and we get the funds out. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. We, we had the, uh, we made the argument to the governor's office and to the legislature that it would be nearly impossible to roll out these programs without additional capacity. And so we have 
quite a few FTE coming on to help us out. These are temporary positions that are funded through ARPA. And uh, we're building a, I mean, a fantastic team. I, I'm so excited about the team we're building. Every day I sit down with these folks and they're passionate and they, they came on knowing these are temporary positions and that within a few years, they're either going to have to be routed out of this position somewhere else into DED or go find another job somewhere else. And they did it anyway. And they did it because they have the same vision that I have, that Director Coast has, that the governor has, which is to make these funds work for the people of Missouri and move our economy forward. So that's where I think we get our advantages. One, we prioritize them, hopefully in the right way. And two, we get the funds out efficiently and we get them out effectively to do really good projects. I want to take a, a further step back, and this might not equate quite right, so correct me if this isn't going to go in the right direction. But back in 2020, when the CARES Act funding came out and the department was dispersing grant funding for a variety of different things, did we learn anything from that that we're applying to what we're doing now? Yes. Yes, you 100% uh, are in alignment. <laughs> so th that whole process has informed the way we've approached everything um, with the ARPA dollars. Um, with CARES Act, we had, uh, I think we deployed in the neighborhood of uh, 60 to $70 million. So roughly 10%, 10 to 20% of the amount of funds we have now. We did not have a dedicated division for CARES Act. We all came in, we peeled people off from certain, um, certain parts of DED, and we all banded together to get the funds out. There were times when a, a third of the entire staff of DED were being forced to ignore, you know, basically not ignore the regular jobs. They were still doing the regular jobs, but on the days they were coming in and talking about how do we get the small business grant out and we have all these and we need you to help review receipts. And it was so taxing. We had high turnover after that because it was incredibly hard for our folks. Everybody was working really hard and uh, we learned a ton. We learned uh, you got to have some dedicated folks to get this kind of dollars out the door. We learned okay, if you're doing a program with small businesses and you're asking them to send you receipts for uh, something that they spent that was $12 and a receipt for $15, you're getting a pretty big stack of receipts and it's challenging for the business and it's challenging for you to review uh, and it's just not a good system. So uh, we incorporated all those lessons learned and continue to incorporate those lessons learned as we build out the ARPA programs. And, and fortunately, some of the folks that were in the heart of that, Director Coast being one of those folks who was so heavily involved in that process, and, and Kim Bowman, our Deputy Director within Federal Initiatives, they're bringing a lot of knowledge to our building process today that hopefully, fingers crossed, um, will make a difference as we roll out the funds. Well, that's good to hear. I remember that time being, um, I don't want to use the word chaotic, but like you said, there, there were so many team members being pulled to help to get these funds out the door. Like comms team, which is what I'm a part of, we're doing cold calls to people who had not fully submitted and, you know, trying to, trying to figure all that out. But I think it goes to speak to that one team mentality that yeah. we have here at DED. Uh, and it's great to see that we're, we're going in a, what sounds like a great direction. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, and you know, to, I, I give full credit to the folks who were, running that at the time. And I, I was, I was supporting, I was helping, but I, I, I certainly wasn't running. I don't know what we could have done different then. 
knowing what we knew at that time and how quickly we had to get the funds out, I think we did a really good job. It, it was just so challenging. Uh, and, and we wanted to not repeat that level of challenge for everyone and, yeah. and ensure, um, you know, and some of our traditional programs suffered in that time. And, and we certainly don't want to experience that again. Yeah, it was for those of us who went through it. I think there's positive and negative memories <laughs> from from that time uh, because we did have a great team. Everybody pulled together. I, I remember, I mean, people were working crazy hours and nobody was really complaining because we all knew like, yeah, we're working crazy hours. We're not in health, you know, we're not in healthcare. <laughs> we're not, we're, I'm not the nurse that's, that's trying to, uh, trying to care for this patient that has COVID, right? So we, we understood um, what we were actually doing, but it was still, it was very hard and taxing for the team. And, and, uh, and hopefully, hopefully uh, we've taken away the right lessons and, and are moving forward in a, in a better direction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm going to pull us back on uh, ARPA track here. So we've talked about the amount of funds, kind of where they're going. Once all the funds are out, what then? Yeah, so I, I think all the ARPA funds have to be allocated by the end of 24, and they have to be spent by the end of 26. And spent means that that local project is complete. They cannot spend any more dollars by the end of 2026. So where I sit today, uh, that's about four years from now. Um, we're going to award funds uh, within the next several months. Um, and then we have this long period of helping the pro projects be successful. And that's, and that's something we're starting to really think about and build out our team uh, to be prepared for that, to have the right kind of folks to work with the communities. Um, there's, a, there's ongoing compliance that will be required that the federal government that will ask us for, that we'll have to monitor. Um, we'll have to do site visits. Um, but it's really about ensuring success of the, pro, the, of the project. So that's for the ARPA funds. That's uh, where we have to head as we kind of look to the future. And the due date on spending those funds, does that coincide with the ending of those temporary jobs? How does, how does that function? Yeah, so, so the jobs that are funded by ARPA also, we can't pay for them after 2026. That said, we do have some roles within the department. Uh, broadband has some that would be funded by the IIJA, uh, the Infrastructure Act that I mentioned earlier. Um, so, so we will likely end up having some form of a federal initiative's department for the long term likely I, I don't know for sure but it will it will scale and scale back uh, as the funds get expended and as we have availability to spend them um, it, we were very clear and we've been very clear with all the folks coming on uh, with the legislature with the governor's office that these are temporary positions uh, built to get the funds out and then um, once they're no longer needed uh, we will start looking at other paths for those folks with the amount of positions we have in the department overall, I think there's going to be some real good opportunities. We have some people on our team now that are, that are in the, they're in it, you know, they're, they're jumping in, they're, they're up to their knees already, and they're going to get a lot deeper in building grant programs, doing compliance, doing monitoring, understanding federal uh, guidelines. All these things are valuable. They're valuable skill sets across DED and, and, and the folks who come in and they dive in and they do their job well, um, I think they'll have opportunities on our team or they'll have other opportunities across state government to really add value, a value to the team of the state of Missouri overall. Those listening, if, if they want more information on ARPA, 
we're not covering something, they just want to look more into it, where can they go to find that information? We have a, a website, ded.mo.gov slash ARPA, A-R-P-A. Um, that's where we have the bulk of our information. You can also go to the state's overall website, which is moarpa.mo.gov, M-O-A-R-P-A.mo.gov. I think (laughs) if I'm wrong, please correct me in the show notes (laughs) with the right. That sounds right. I think I'm pretty sure it's right, but I just, I'm, I'm second guessing as we sit here on the call. Um, uh, That site has all the ARPA funds across the state. So not just DEDs, but that's where you can find what DNR is doing and what the office of childhood is doing. All all the different funds are, are being posted there on our site. We get a little more granular. Like we have our job postings there. We have things that wouldn't be on that statewide site. So I kind of feel like we've, we've been talking ARPA for, for a while now. And I, and I know we, we touched upon some of the other things that federal initiatives is doing kind of up top, but I kind of want to bring it back to that in case there's something we're missing that you want to kind of go into. So it's not just, you know, you know, like we mentioned, like ARPA is the big dog in the room. It's the big thing right now, but there's other things going on as well. Yeah. And so, so maybe a couple things I'll hit on real quick. And, and, and like I said, we're still trying to wrap our heads around the structure. So some of this is things that I, I do or have responsibility for within the department and, and nobody, not many other people have been brought in yet, but I think we'll continue to see that develop. I also represent the state on behalf of the Delta Regional Authority. Um, it's a federal organization that covers parts of eight states. Um, so they, they have 252 counties that are a part of Delta Regional Authority. And essentially, um, uh, as a representative of the state of Missouri, I sit on their board of directors. And each year, there's an allocation of funds that they get um, from the federal government that flow through to the state. So we have a portion of funds that are available to the southeast part of the state. I think in Missouri, there are 20 nine counties that are included in the Delta Regional Authority area. Those counties, the cities, uh, municipalities can apply for funds. Um, and we do some grant programs through that. So um, we are uh, in the process right now of working through those applications. So there are other things like that within the division that we're still um, understanding who who's going to get pulled into what parts. Um, but ultimately, I think there's just, there's a lot of opportunity to really be proactive, thinking about federal dollars, how Missouri best utilizes those funds to make an impact, and how we get out in front of it. And that's that's where we probably historically could have done better, right, is that these things pass at the federal level, and we wait around for somebody to tell us, and all of a sudden the funds come down, and then we start to make some decisions. Well, there are times, certainly we haven't always done it that way. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I don't know the whole history here, right? There, there's probably um, a, a past, but, but I think I see an opportunity in front of us today to be better at that, to be more proactive, to be researching what's happening, uh, to be effectively going out and, and grabbing some of those dollars when it makes sense for Missouri uh, to continue to make us competitive. The last thing I'll, I'll ask you here, and I'm sure the answer to this is just everything we've already talked about but the department's mission statement is helping Missourians prosper. How does the federal initiatives team push that forward? Everything we've already talked (laughs) about. Um, I think the thing that hopefully makes us a little bit unique that helps, I hope, DED as a whole ultimately drive better toward that mission is that we're unencumbered by the history of of having a division that we're standing up 
of past work that we're still trying to monitor. You know, if you're part of, we, we have BCS on this team and uh, Christina is trying to make a, a huge difference, you know, on that program and how they, how they manage the programs. But the whole time they're trying to make these process improvements, they have to continue managing the programs. <laughs> we don't have to do that. So I think it allows us to come in and say, you know what, we're, gonna, we're going to do um, stakeholder outreach in this way with everything we build. And I believe what we're doing is we're creating some replicable models that can be taken across DED that will make us better as a department in the long term and will continue to improve our processes that ultimately will help Missourians prosper better than they were before. So that's, so yes, all our programs will directly have an impact on helping Missourians prosper. I hope that's our intention, but the, the way that I think this division can be unique is by uh, challenging some of the things that have happened before across the whole department and baking in some, some better ways to do things um, that will improve us all over time. Well, I certainly don't envy the task that's laid before you and your team. It sounds like a heavy lift, but it sounds like you guys are well on track, doing good work. I've seen the team members around. They all seem very enthusiastic. And, and I, you know, I see them kind of just intermingling and going to, from office to office. A lot of, a lot of work happening. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fueled by passion and coffee, my friend. We're, yeah. We are uh, excited about what we're doing. Uh, this is, you're right, it's a big challenge. It's a heavy lift. But, man, there's no other place I'd rather be than figuring out a way uh, to make these funds work uh, for from folks in Missouri. So, um, and, and I think that's true across our team. And like I, I said it earlier and I'll say it again, we got the, we just have the best people and I'm so excited about it. And, uh, and, and that's what will make us successful because, um, if those folks aren't passionate, they aren't coming in, they aren't excited about what they're doing. I don't know how we could ever get this done, but given the folks we have on our team, I feel very confident that there's nothing we can't accomplish. Well, I can't think of any better point to end on than that. So uh, I'll open it up in case there's anything else you think we need to cover on this big, big topic. Uh, but if not, then I guess we could close it out there. I mean, we could talk about the Kansas City Chiefs season, their <laughs> prospects, but I think we've covered um, ad nauseum ARPA funds, uh, federal initiatives. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. This is a, a, obviously a, a topic I care a lot about. I'm very passionate about it. And uh, if anybody out there um, wants to wants to sit around and chat ARPA with me, uh, that's what I do all day, every day. So uh, bring it on. Perfect. Thanks, Chad, for sitting down to take the time. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to this episode on federal initiatives and all things ARPA. To find out more about what's happening at the Missouri Department of Economic Development, including current programs and upcoming opportunities, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, Inside EcoDevo. You can also visit our website, ded.mo.gov, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if there's an economic development topic you're interested in hearing more about, well, then let us know by emailing ded.communications at ded.mo.gov.